Today we celebrate the Feast of the Trinity. Very important feast. We see the Trinity reflected in our scriptures. In our second reading especially, St. Paul tells the Corinthians, he wishes them, he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we got the second person of the Trinity. And the love of God, God the Father, implied first person of the Trinity. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, third person of the Holy Trinity, be with you all. And notice, very interesting, we oftentimes, I should, there's a couple different options of the priest from which the priest can choose to begin the Mass. And I choose that one uh, quite frequently, or I think all the time, in fact. So, where Paul left off, we begin. It is, as it were, he's kind of passing on the Trinitarian baton to us. He's taught us of the Trinity, and now we are celebrating the Trinity, and we're going deeper into it uh, through the holy sacrifice of the Mass. And then in our Gospel text as well, we see the Trinity, although it's not quite as clear in the Gospel text. It says, God, the Father, so loved the world that he gave his only Son, second person of the Trinity. Now, where's the Holy Spirit in this? Continues on, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. The Holy Spirit is, as it were, in the background. That gift of faith that's given to the people who believe in the Son of God and consequently enjoy eternal life, that faith is a gift from the Holy Spirit. We cannot have true contrition for our sins or true faith in God or hope in eternal life or love for God or love for our neighbor, apart from the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit, implicitly at least, is also present here. So we have the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the Trinity is a communion of love. And that love does not remain within the Trinity, but it spills out over into creation. And it reaches out to us and invites us to enter into the mystery of the Trinity, so that even as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are in a communion of love with one another, so we also might be uh, invited into that same communion of love and be joined to them forever. That's the purpose of our creation. That's why we were made. That's our ultimate destiny and, and goal, is to enter into communion with the Blessed Trinity. Now, the Trinity is a great mystery. It was not uh, entirely clear that God was a Trinity in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it became clear. When Christ came, the Son of God, when he became man and he came to teach us, he revealed to mankind the Trinity, and it became clear. Even after it has been revealed to us, though, it's still a mystery. And, uh, uh, you know, people, in, kids especially in catechism class, when they're learning about the Trinity, usually they're getting headaches and their eyes are crossing and they don't <laughs> totally get what this is all about. Because it is, it is a mystery. It is difficult to understand. One of the ways that theologians have uh, put forward to help us understand what the Trinity is, is by way of reference to the, what's called the image of God. And the, the Bible teaches us in the first chapter, it's first chapter, right, in Genesis, that humankind is made in the image of God. And uh, it says right there in Genesis, uh, this is a direct quote, let us make man in our image. Is that interesting? So it's God, but he's speaking in a first person plural. Let us make man in our image. So we see here just right from the beginning a little hint that God is a trinity. We see it right in the first chapter of the Bible. Let us make man in our image. So it would only make sense that the divine nature, the trinity, 
would somehow at least be imprinted in the, you know, human nature would reflect the Trinity at some level, in some way, okay? And uh, theologians have thought about this, and what, what they've come to, and this has been, you know, since St. Augustine or before, um, if we can, just, just an analogy, okay, and all, all sort of analogies are limited, uh, but within the human person, we have the ability to know ourselves and to love ourselves, and that's, that's quite remarkable. Okay, angels can do that, but apart from angels and human beings, nothing can do that. The material world, the vegetable, the plant world, the animal world, they cannot, these, these created beings cannot know themselves and love themselves. Human beings can't. That's a remarkable thing. Okay? So we have a mind, and this mind, your mind can think about yourself, and then your will, as a result of the mind of your mind and your thought reflecting upon yourself, can love yourself. Wow, that's pretty neat. And that right there is a little, however distant, however remote, it's a little image of the Trinity. We have God the Father, who is, as it were, the mind, and then God the Son is the thought of this divine mind, and then. Proceeding forth from both the divine mind and the thought of the divine mind comes the Holy Spirit, which is the love of God. So in that communion of love between the Father and the Son, we have the Holy Spirit. So there's this self-knowledge and this self-love that is in God. Now, unlike it is, as it is with God, with us, we're only one person. We don't, you know, our self-thought and our self-love don't result in three distinct persons, we're only one person, but there is, however distant, a little reflection of the Trinity within the human person. And uh, when we talk about human beings being made in the image of God, God doesn't have a body, God is infinitely spiritual, okay? So he doesn't have a body, he doesn't have a visible image, so what does it mean for us to be made in the image of God? What does that mean? What is God's image? Well, it has to do with our spiritual dimension. We, as, as creating God's image, are not only material beings, but we're spiritual beings as well. And the spiritual dimension to the human person is the deeper, more fundamental aspect of the human person. Okay? So we're not, unlike, you know, communist USSR thought, we're not a big bag of chemicals. That's not all we are. We can't be reduced to just material realities. We are spiritual beings. And uh, being made in the image of God with intelligence and free will, the ability to know ourselves and to actually love ourselves, that is a reflection of God's own spirituality. And uh, we're able to love ourselves. Now, this is something very interesting. It's important to love yourself. When Jesus gave the second greatest commandment, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. So actually, our own love for our own self is actually the measure by which we're able to even love other people, okay? Love others as you love yourself. So we actually begin, it's kind of a more primary love, is love of self. Now, uh, when I was growing up, you know, it was really popular, and I don't know if you guys are going to get this uh, cultural illusion or not, but a popular illusion, but Smurfs. Do you guys know about the Smurfs? Okay. <laughs> I used to watch a cartoon. I don't know if that's a confession or not, if it's kind of a girly thing to do or whatever, I don't know. But anyways, I used to watch the Smurfs, okay? And, uh, you know, you had, amongst the Smurfs, you had, they had different characters, right? And you had Vanity Smurf, okay? So there's this guy with the mirror, he's always got the mirror, he's looking in the mirror all the time. 
Um, we refer to those, this, you know, egoists, have you heard the term narcissist? Okay, someone who's a narcissist, all right, they're really stuck on themselves. And you think at first the narcissist loves himself or herself too much or something like that, that they, they, really, they really love themselves. Actually, our own moral tradition and then now modern psychologists will tell you about narcissists, that they actually really don't love themselves. They are preoccupied with their externals and their external image. They actually don't really, truly love themselves or true inner person. It's a very interesting thing. So the narcissist doesn't truly know himself or herself and therefore doesn't really truly love himself or herself. And so we as Christians, when we receive God's love into our life, we're able to truly appreciate the higher dimension of who we are, our spiritual selves. And uh, so we have, St. Paul talks about the outer man and the inner man. And when we have true love for ourselves and true knowledge of who we are, we love our inner person. We want what's truly good for ourselves. We can actually even enter into, as it were, a friendship with ourselves. Very interesting. So let's think of some of the qualities of friendship. So friends, for example, want what's best for each other. So also, if you are in a relationship of love and friendship with oneself, you want what's truly good for your spiritual self. You want what's truly good for your spiritual self. That is, you want eternal life. And uh, sometimes there might be an immediate gratification that's presented to you, something that you're, you know, you're going to be gratified in your senses or in your external self, in your bodily self. It's going to be tempting, but you can see with your reason that this is going to derail you from your true, ultimate, spiritual good. And so you say no to that, because you really love yourself and you want what's best for yourself. Also, what's, what other aspect of friendship can we think about? Friends know each other. They're in communion with each other. It's actually possible to enter into communion with yourself. Okay, Only human beings and angels can do that. And uh, the narcissist or the egoist, or the person that's, that's very deeply, profoundly alienated from themselves because of their sins, they actually cannot enter into the depths of their own heart. And so they usually preoccupy themselves with a whole ton of external things like social media or whatever it is. Because they know, unconsciously, if they were to really enter into their heart, their conscience would be telling them, you're not in a good place, you're not in a good place. Repent, okay, you're not in a good place. And so they kind of just block themselves out. They live a very extrinsic life. And, uh, and they actually really don't know themselves and enter into communion with themselves. But for the Christian who has received the grace of love and repentance into his heart, or to, into her heart, you're able to have a peaceful conscience. Your conscience is at peace. And you're able to be okay being alone, being in quiet, spending time with yourself, communing with yourself, and you actually find a great source of life um, and energy from doing that. And of course, you find most importantly the friendship of God, because it's God who in the silence of our hearts comes into communion with us. And so this love of God, this if we can kind of bring it back up to the Trinity, from all eternity, even apart from the world, whether the world was created or not, God is in this communion of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
But the theologians say uh, the good is diffusive of itself. So therefore, God wanted other beings to come into existence so that they share that love that he has and that he is in and of himself. So God didn't have to create the world. Okay, the world is a complete is a result of God's total freedom. He didn't have to create the world. He did it out of sheer love and generosity and goodness, so that we could enter into a communion of friendship and love with the Blessed Trinity. And uh, that's so we see God's goodness in Himself and then spilling out to others. So also for the Christian who has received the love of the Trinity into his heart, he has peace in his conscience and love for himself, and then he's able to then. Let that love spill out to others and to develop friendships with others and to be in real communion with others. Unfortunately, the egoist and the narcissist cannot come into communion with other people because it's always a facade. They can't they can only go so deep. And so they really can't enter into the heart of another person because they haven't yet entered into their own heart. And uh, but again, for the for the Christian who has received the love of God, has been transformed by that, that Trinitarian love, they're able to enter into true friendship. With others, and uh, this is God's will for the whole world that all human beings would enter into that friendship. So I can say sincerely from my heart that I, I don't know all of you personally, but I do love you all, and I'm concerned first and foremost for your souls and for your eternal well-being, and I want to be friends with you for eternity. Uh, and isn't that a beautiful thing that Christians can say that we can all say that as Christians for us who have received the love of God that you know there doesn't be, there doesn't have to be hard feelings there doesn't have to be enmity it doesn't matter how bad someone something is that someone does to us we can forgive them and we can say I truly love that person even though they did a bad thing to me and uh, I want to ultimately be friends with them for eternity that's my sincere love or that's my sincere desire uh, and this is all simply a reflection this this beautiful community of love that uh, to which we're called. That's a reflection uh, of the Trinity. So let's remember that and thank God for this, this mystery and this beauty uh, as today we celebrate the, the Feast of the Holy Trinity.